The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer. Welcome. Today, we're talking about collaborative Atlantic Ocean planning, how to save the ocean collaboratively. And my guest today is Amy Bushman. Bushman, who is Ocean Planning Outreach Manager at the Conservation Law Foundation. Hello, Amy. Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I'm, uh, you know, kind of transitioning out of vacation mode. Uh, back oh, to yeah. Real- Here we go. <laughs> well, I, I think you're on top of your game by now, so I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Um, <laughs> last month, um, you know, President Obama's office certified and called for implementation of the Northeast uh, Ocean Plan. And it's a huge accomplishment that you, I know, have worked very hard on. And before we, we go into um, your story, I'd like to take a moment to step the listeners through the events that resulted in such a remarkable government action that, you know, it began about a decade ago. There's a little Massachusetts town called Winthrop, and it needed sand on its beach. And Winthrop is on the north side of the entrance to Boston Harbor. And so it's at the very western end of uh, Massachusetts Bay. And so normally it's like an estuary and has a muddy shoreline. But, you know, since, um, I don't know how long, probably the early 1800s, they've been bringing sand in so they can have sandy beaches and walk the Esplanade. And sure enough, the sand wore away. So they called on the state for more sand, and it took the state three years to respond, and the the sand state agency guys went to the town meeting and said, yeah, we're going to bring you sand. We're going to take it from over there, dredge it from over there, and and barge it over and put it on your beach. Wouldn't that be great? And in the audience was uh, someone from the Division of Fisheries, and he stood up and said, that's where the fish eggs are. You're not going to move that sand over my dead body. Well, he didn't say dead body, but he said you can't do it. And um, so the town of Winthrop is saying, look, you stateies, get your act together. You know, it took me three years. <laughs> so they didn't get the sand. But um, we um, started a, a, a movement to have uh, – so they didn't, get their, they didn't get their mud. They didn't get their sand. But the Ocean River Institute was founded in 2007 – to educate and build and engage a constituency of people uh, in Massachusetts to call for more collaborative ecosystem-based management of these coastal waters. And essentially to, um, and this was the idea, so the Mass Ocean Planning Act 
was calling for this, and we were supporting that act, and they were calling for getting all the different agencies to work with one another and, you know, break down the silos and do that talking. Before you go to Winthrop, get together and figure out, you know, these different issues. Like, if you've got to take sand, you've got to be working with the fish guys for where the sand can come from, and if you're the fish guys, you've got to work with the transportation people about, you know, where you, whether your boats are going to be interrupting, whatever. So they all needed to get together. And uh, so the 2008, in 2008, that Ocean Planning Act was passed, and it got people working together, and it got the middle managers to know each other, and each agency drew up maps illustrating where they thought were sensitive areas and less sensitive. And so then there was this Internet cable company that wanted to run a cable from Fairhaven to the west side, on the west side of Buzzards Bay, to Martha's Vineyard. And so they... Um, I'm talking with my hands here, and I'm also waving the phone around. So if I fade out, it's not for effect. It's because I'm talking with my hands. Uh, so the, uh, the developers of the, trans, uh, the telephone cable line could look at all the maps, and so they went to the agencies and said, we understand that you're going to want us to, and we're prepared to, you know, bury it underground for the first mile because those sensitive coastal areas, and then we see there's a problem in the middle of Buzzards Bay, so we're going to jog north and then south again uh, and, 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 you know, address the different concerns right out the bat. So this made it much easier. It makes it much easier for the developer to see, or the entrepreneur, what are the obstacles and how can we, you know, can we meet all the obstacles? And you want to know this up as up front as soon as possible. So that was very successful. And uh, in 2010, by executive order, President Obama called for stewardship of the ocean, our coasts, and the Great Lakes. So he did what Massachusetts sort of did on a national scale, the different silos that got to talk to each other. And he asked Deere and Bad Brot to be the first director. And Deere and left Massachusetts Coastal Zone Management to do that, but not as home in Ipswich. And back in 2007... Uh, when we were getting started, Darren's daughter, Allie, was a high school student, just a high school senior there, and she interned with me at the Ocean River Institute. And so Allie assisted with the tabling and the messaging and educating for the initial collaborative ocean planning that now is taken to this national level. So it's really cool. And then in 2012, um, the Northeast Regional Planning Group came together, consisting of representatives from 11 federal agencies, 11 state agencies, all six of the states, and 10 tribal groups. And as you'll tell us, there were lots of user groups involved and interest groups and stakeholders and individuals. They all participated in the lengthy process of creating this national ocean plan. So what started with Winthrop's sandy beach washing away to mud has become a very productive and interesting regional dialogue on how we manage the ocean. And one agency, the Department of Interior, now it's doing a great job at managing national parks, but managing an ocean realm, or however, you know, ocean realms are a lot more complicated. And that's, with the difficulty in seeing beneath the sea's face, it means that there's much we don't know about oceans. And so ocean planning and management takes participation by many, many people, many groups, many agencies. It takes a strong culture of collaboration, and it essentially takes a nation with an engaged citizenry. So that's kind of very exciting to be where we are now. And, Amy, can you tell us more about your work and the work of the Northeast Regional Planning Body that led 
up to this presidential approval of the ocean plan. Yeah, well, great job, Rob. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Definitely, it's been uh, an action-packed, I would say, decade in New England when it comes to ocean planning and smart um, ocean management. Um, And so, uh, just as you said, uh, I'm the Ocean Planning Outreach Manager for the Conservation Law Foundation, and I'm uh, based in Boston, but I I work throughout coastal New England working with uh, many, many stakeholder groups. Um, through, uh, mostly through a network called uh, NEON, uh, the New England Ocean Action Network. And so um, largely my role is working with these diverse stakeholders as part of this network. And, and when I say diverse, I really mean it. It's, um, you know, uh, also includes the Ocean River Institute. Rob um, is a NEON member, uh, but also uh, commercial fishermen and uh, commercial fishing associations throughout New England. Um, we also have renewable energy firms and representatives to non-consumptive recreation um, and uh, more remote coastal communities who um, uh, are not uh, easily accessible to opportunities to participate in person. Um, so NEON, um, and my role in NEON is to uh, work with uh, these stakeholders to, uh, one, uh, I guess keep them apprised and updated and uh, the regional ocean planning process here in New England, uh, but then secondly to uh, provide opportunities to, um, uh, I guess, provide input or comment in the ocean planning process. Um, and naturally this was throughout the, uh, the drafting phase that led us to the recently approved Northeast Ocean Plan. Um, and so it's been a, a really, really exciting process for us, um, especially considering the fact that New England is Uh, really the first out of the gate when it comes to um, beginning the process to developing a regional ocean plan. Um, We are already great leaders in ocean planning, as Rob was speaking about, um, first off with the Massachusetts ocean plan, uh, but soon joined by the Rhode Island uh, Special Areas Management Plan, or Rhode Island SAMP is the acronym for that. Um, And so it it was more than natural that New England would be the first uh, to take the charge and take the lead when it comes to regional ocean planning. So um, it's, uh, it's been an exciting time, and uh, just this past, gosh, this past month, about a month ago, actually to the date, um, we uh, just received uh, approval from the National Ocean Council um, for the first regional ocean plan, uh, New England being the, the first leader in the nation. Well, Amy, your work really bridges a gap and plugs a hole in the whole process because normally these bureaucrats, uh, you know, the Navy and the Coast Guard and um, Interior and, and then the state agencies, they all meet, you know, between 9 and 5 on week and work days, you know. And then you've got all the users, we're out there in the ocean. We don't, last thing we want to do is come in and sit in, in, the, uh, in a meeting with a bunch of bureaucrats, you know. <laughs> And and I had this problem when we were setting up the uh, we were championing the Mass Ocean Bill. I was told to get lots of different uh, nonprofits that are interested in ocean conservation to set up displays in the and um, in in different ocean uh, users like you know surf riders and, and marine biological lab um, to set up in the state house to inform the legislators how important ocean planning is and you know. Funny thing about that, nobody wanted to come into Boston when they could be in Woods Hole or down on the coast or something. 
So we had, I had to find ways to, to get them to come in. And I eventually said, well, we've got a budget, so there's going to be free, there's going to be a free legal seafood, clam chowder, and some oysters and clams. And, um, you know, you've got friends in your organization, alums or, um, yeah, friends who are working in Boston. Maybe they could come down and stand by your table and stuff. Um, and uh, so they did. We had 47 different organizations represented tabling in the state house. Uh, and, and, but again, the, the key is to get people to the meetings and they don't want to come. And so you go to the meetings and you keep us connected with what's going on at meetings and, and you, and you're, you're on top of it. So you can say, no, no, this is the meeting you want to be at because you're, you know, your thing is otherwise you just go to see what they're going to say. And cause you don't know what's going to be there. And so you're grumpy about knowing the meeting stuff. So it, it, it's remarkable. How did you do that? How did you manage to get us all, keep us going? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess, you know, you can, if you can consider me anything, you can consider me your uh, ocean planning sales associate. Yeah. Uh, and so NEON is, uh, at this point, we've, we've been, you know, functioning as a network, I would say, for, gosh, about four years at this point. And, you know, started off as, you know, a very small, you know, intimate group of nonprofits largely, um, but has since grown to about 50 organizations and individuals who are um, interested in smart ocean management in New England in particular. And so um, I think what is best, uh, you know, you start off on a strong foot when you understand that everyone is coming to the table with a different perspective and a different level of um, interest or even skin in the game, right? So we have some organizations who are just beyond swamped. They have huge workloads and, um, you know, lots of things on their to-do list, and they know for various obvious reasons they need to, you know, keep their thumb to the pulse of regional ocean planning. They just don't have time. Um, well, where that, that's where I come in, basically. I um, essentially um, basically digest all of the information that's coming in in regional ocean planning in New England, um, and I, I relay it or report it out to um, these organizations who just simply don't have time um, to to stay plugged in or attend meetings. Um, and then right. I have organizations who are, you know, extremely involved in the process. And um, with that process, it, it takes a different approach, right? So um, from there, we're able to really hone a, a deeper advocacy message when it comes to um, st- the stakeholder participation level in ocean planning and um, the beautiful thing about NEON is, is our diversity, and the thing that really, um, you know, makes us stand apart is, you know, the fact that we each have a different mission statement on a daily basis, but the thing that we find universal commonality with is uh, the fact that ocean planning, the spine of this process is to ensure that um, ocean users uh, have a seat at the table in decision-making, and so... Uh, we've been able to collectively work together in that sense. Um, so really, I guess, you know, to, to answer your question, it just takes a lot of flexibility and um, takes a, um, a lot of homework on my part to really understand, um, you know, where an organization is coming from and what, what their skin in the game is. But uh, that's fun. It keeps it interesting for me. Yeah, you know, well, you really don't have to know what their skin in the game is because you're very good about... Um, getting people together to, to talk, you know, and that's the key is that we get to have discussions within NEON instead mm-hmm. of being a lone person going into this huge, you know, internet, uh, huge, you know, 
uh, bureaucratic group where we're not the main agenda. There is a, a listening session or, a, you know, questions and answer period, but, um, you know, no, you, you know, peop- and you also make sure that the, the lead dogs don't just pull everyone else off or, you know, say they're representing the group and then go and do something that's not in the interest of some of the members and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's exactly. Whole, and whole yeah, I think you make a, a really good point, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 you make a great point because, you know, for someone who works, you know, in a federal agency sitting in a, a two to three day long meeting to talk about this process is nothing new, right? But for uh, a fisherman um, in down East Maine or, um, you know, a smaller nonprofit in Cape Cod, you know, that's, that's a new arena to step in. And, you know, it's, it's totally understandable if, if somebody feels nervous or uh, kind of out of their league or, um, you know, not really knowing how to approach it. But NEON, for me, um, and for many, is um, kind of a, it's a community of interested partners, you know, from different levels yes. and different perspectives. But it, it you know, you know, through my work, I'm able to, you know, not only ensure that people can make it out to these regional planning body meetings, but to also provide NEON-specific in-person meetings where, you know, just as you know, Rob, you've been to many of them, we sit around a table, you know, we eat pizza, and we talk about, you know, how we think the process is going and, um, you know, what we need to learn more about and, you know, how we can weigh in as, as a collective interested Group, it's it's building community really around uh, a really important critical issue and making sure folks have uh, all the resources they need. And I, I do my best to provide those in-person meetings through um, webinars, through opportunities for workshops, that kind of thing, to uh, to uh, make sure I'm I'm filling in all the needs of of everybody in, in the collective group and making sure everyone's interest is um, recognized and celebrated. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing a great job. We're going to take a short break. I'll be back with Amy Bushman after this break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate, the number four, oceans.org. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. 
We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about collaborative Atlantic Ocean planning and management. And my guest today is Amy Bushman, Ocean Planning Outreach Manager at the Conservation Law Foundation and sort of our ombudsman, coordinator, spokesperson, representative, um, superwoman of uh, the Northeast Ocean Action Network, affectionately referred to as NEON, Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I like how you put that. I think I'm going to make some business cards that say that verbatim. Yeah, something like that, because um, I see <laughs> about the superwoman. That's too gender-related, you know. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we were talking about the process, and, and um, I, I think it's, it's always a challenge for groups to feel, for people to feel they can participate in these groups' uh, NEON meetings because... There are the, the people who are so passionate about their issue that they're afraid that their little their their issue, which isn't as passionate, you know, might not be heard. And yet, what we what you recognize is that you know uh, this is a complex problem, and we're going to need diverse input to find you know robust solutions to it. And so, the more diverse the and a lot of it is uh, you know broadening our perspective on. On, uh, on what the issues are and, and what the, you know, because everyone means to do well. Fishermen mean to do well. Fish huggers mean to do well. And they, they, we need help on seeing what are the obstacles that are preventing people from what we think is the right way to do stuff. And, um, and it's a learning process. And then I was very impressed with, um, you know, President Obama when he declared the uh, Northeast uh, Seamount, uh, with Northeast Canyons and Seamounts National Marine Area, he referred to our, uh, that it takes a strong culture of collaboration. 
And so it's building that collaborative culture. It's, it's like learning a language of the other members of the Northeast Ocean Action Network, for starters. You know, we, we have to learn how to talk with and hear each other in order to think, find our way through all these opportunities in planning and management of ocean waters. And so that takes a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations. And thank you, Amy, for making those happen. Yeah, well, I think um, uh, I think New England has many examples of um, strong collaboration and ocean planning in and of itself is, I think, the, the greatest signifier um, of that effort. And when uh, President Obama um, created the National Ocean Policy in 2010, he, um, you know, this is just an, an incredible comprehensive document that comes with it, um, you know, many goals um, when it comes to better ocean stewardship and better management. Um, but I think the, the biggest goal or the biggest output of the national ocean policy was um, this concept of a regional ocean plan. Um, and so New England in 2012 kick-started the process, um, as Rob um, said, it, it took, um, you know, membership from federal agencies who, um, you know, had uh, responsibilities in ocean management in New England um, and had representatives from every state in New, Eng- uh, in New England, including uh, Vermont, to ex-officio members, from one from New York, um, as well as a representative from uh, Canada who managed the fisheries um, for that country. And um, it was, uh, you know, also included uniquely um, representatives from federally recognized tribes in New England as well. And so it was a new precedent. And the common theme throughout the national ocean policy was, um, you know, wiser ocean management, but ultimately better collaboration, not only between um, federal agencies, between federal agencies, but between feds and states. Um, and being more inclusive of tribes as well as um, the many, many, many ocean users and stakeholders um, throughout the region um, with um, an overarching um, respect for and consideration of uh, important marine species and habitats in New England as well. Um, And so it was a multi-year effort. And so uh, the New England Ocean Action Network um, is not formally connected to the regional planning body in New England. Um, we were just uh, essentially a, a, basically a grassroots um, network of organizations that um, had a stake in that process to provide a cohesive voice for the importance of stakeholder engagement. Um, and so um, it's, been, it's been a great process. And really, uh, you know, their promise rang true that it really was uh, defined by robust stakeholder opportunities, uh, whether that was providing comment in regional planning body meetings quarterly throughout the year throughout coastal New England, um, stakeholder forums where stakeholders were able to sit at tables with uh, the actual ocean planners to help define and flesh out uh, the outputs of this plan and common themes, Um, and then uh, through creating the data portal as well. Um, that took, um, that was a recognition of the fact that, um, you know, this process needs to have at the forefront the best available science. But with that being said, there were a lot of data gaps um, when it came to specific ocean users or ocean uses or industries. Um, and so that entailed an enormous amount of uh, community engagement 
um, to fill those gaps and make sure those voices were heard. So um, that all led up to uh, just this past month when the uh, Northeast Regional Planning Body submitted uh, their final uh, ocean plan to the National Ocean Council, um, and it was approved in the first week of December. Yeah, that was great. Now, what are some of the work groups that, in order to cover all these things, you, you've broken the work groups, right? Yeah, so um, many, basically, um, a lot of the work, so the regional planning body essentially delegates and coordinates the overarching process, um, but uh, the, you know, the, the actual deliverables are generated by many, many work groups who basically crank out the work and get it done. Um, and so there are several work groups involved in the ocean planning process in New England, um, including um, the, the one that I keep most apprised of and, and most involved in, uh, which is the Ecosystem Space Management Work Group, um, which is essentially um, a work group comprised of um, the region's scientists, um, federal agencies, um, and researchers. Um, basically focused on ensuring that the Northeast Ocean Plan uh, is representative of um, the, basically the ethos of ecosystem space management. Um, and that can mean many things, um, as you know, Rob, but um, one of the biggest goals or um, responsibilities of this work group is to um, generate a framework and resulting maps of uh, what we're calling important ecological areas. Um, and so, um, it's, it's a real game changer for New England, and important ecological areas um, will ultimately represent um, areas of, for example, high productivity, biodiversity, species abundance, vulnerable resources, or uh, rare marine resources, um, and uh, really this is just an overarching effort to ensure that the decisions we make are in respect um, to um, these critical areas for ecosystem function in New England. Um, but we also have other work groups involved with the regional planning body, including um, performance monitoring and evaluation, um, not only of um, the, the plan performance, but also uh, when it comes to ocean health, uh, monitoring ocean health over the long term to see, um, you know, how various factors are changing to adjust decisions being made to be used as a resource tool. Um, there are also uh, work groups for best practices, um, for state and federal coordination to make sure that best practices involved when it comes to communicating between states uh, and federal agencies remains clear um, and efficient. Um, you also have uh, a newly formed important ecological area work group, which might be confusing, uh, but this work group in particular really focuses on how important ecological areas will actually be used by agencies on a daily basis for decision making. So the EBM work group, Ecosystem Space Management work group, looks at the science of important ecological areas, whereas the IEA work group looks at the actual usability of this framework. Um, you know, there's also a brand new work group that focuses just on aquaculture, um, which is, um, you know, I think aquaculture has really taken root in regions like the Mid-Atlantic, um, but it's, it's just starting to become more prominent or more popular 
um, in New England. And so uh, ensuring that the data um, generated for the data portal is representative of all of these things, all of these, uh, these new areas of aquaculture um, are accurate and the best available science um, is important, especially as federal agencies um, begin to really consider what the pre-application process is for this kind of burgeoning industry in New England. Um, but you also have um, committees uh, that are connected to a partner organization called the uh, Northeast Regional Ocean Council, NROC, um, that focus on sand management um, as well as restoration. So um, that's a long-winded way of saying there is a lot going on um, when it comes to, um, you know, work groups, uh, as you can see, it really kind of covers the whole spectrum uh, when it comes to um, data for the data portal and, and uh, making efficient decisions. Um, and representatives are, are pretty diverse when it comes to each work group, whether it's uh, federal agencies or researchers or um, the leading scientists in this region. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty complicated. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> you got a whole ecosystem of different groups interacting. And yeah, um, seriously, you know, I mean, we need a data layer on the data portal just for these work groups. <laughs> on the amazing amount of work that they're producing on a daily basis. Yeah, but uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's uh, it sounds complicated, but it really has been honed to uh, just a, a fine working machine. Um, these uh, work groups have a constant line of communication with the regional planning body and, um, you know, they set goals and timelines and they achieve them uh, pretty regularly. And so um, it's, been a, it's been a pretty efficient process so far. That's great. That's a great accomplishment that you have the working groups working so well because, you know, managing the ocean is not like managing a widget factory because, you know, things are unexpected are always happening. That, that the management of ocean requires us to be adaptive you know, mm -hmm. swiftly adapted to changing conditions. And so yeah. good that you've got the working groups already set up. So you've got, you know, a performance group seeing if performance needs adjustments, and you've got the ecosystem-based management group, you know, to, um, to be responsible. You know, so they're trying to foresee in agriculture the same kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's so many issues in all of these that, um, in the old, that, that challenge the managers. And, and so get it into the planning. In the old days... The scientists would come in and tell, say, the clam warden how to manage, and then um, he'd go away. Or, yeah, and um, and then ten years later, the clams aren't being managed so well, so they come in and they shoot the warden for not doing what he was told. And mm. the, what happened normally was that the conditions have changed, and the warden isn't allowed to change because he's been directed by the scientists on what's the best practice, and so they lack that adaptability. So this is really important that, and NEON plays a big role in having the uh, users, like the fishermen and the sports people and the recreators, um, they, they can use NEON as a way to put their observations and their questions about this doesn't look right to get that all the way into the uh, regional planning body. Uh, which is bigger than the local agency that's dealing with the situation. Um, now, one of the um, things you mentioned was an ocean health index. How, how, what's that? Yeah, so the ocean health index is, um, I think, one of the, one of the goals of, um, that I, I am in particular uh, most excited about, besides the important ecological area 
framework. So uh, the Ocean Health Index essentially is um, this basically global framework um, that uh, really analyzes um, according to various components or indicators of ocean health. Um, and so um, it's basically um, a framework that uh, measures and analyzes fluxes of change for things like fishing or um, carbon storage or coastal resiliency, um, but it also takes into account um, this idea of ecosystems-based management and that it's also inclusive of human factors, right? So yeah. uh, that also includes tourism and recreation um, to coastal livelihoods and economy uh, sense of place, um, you know, along with environmental factors like clean water um, and biodiversity. And so what's really cool about this framework in particular is um, while it's used really, honestly, globally um, across the world and in many diverse places to uh, measure ocean health um, for a region, it can also be translated to, um, you know, a much smaller scale. Um, and so uh, the Northeast Regional Planning Body is looking at, um, and they haven't decided exactly how they're going to do this, but, you know, considering this framework in particular uh, in terms of um, providing a methodology for um, analyzing ocean health um, on a regular basis. Um, another really cool, um, I guess, uh, opportunity to do that that um, the regional planning body is considering is the integrated sentinel monitoring network Whew. you know that's that's a mouthful but basically that's um, a, a network of research institutions throughout New England who are um, analyzing various indicators of ocean health uh, and they work together um, to uh, be able to communicate with each other to understand how it's all interrelated um, and so finding a way to uh, perhaps combine the two or balance the two um, is, is uh, going to be a, a, a really interesting goal um, for the regional planning body. That's one of the, I think, the last big um, goals yet unmet um, for the RPD. Um, and that's, uh, there's going to be a lot of work involved over the course of the next year for that. So um, they have a work group that focuses on monitoring um, not only the planned success, but ocean health that's going to focus on that. And so, um, you know, opportunities, um, lots of opportunities for stakeholders to keep apprised of that process and to um, provide any sort of input um, or thoughts uh, in terms of what that looks like. But um, it's, it's a new precedent. It's really exciting. Um, I think um, it's uh, the first time that uh, federal agencies and states have worked closely together to generate this sort of universal standard um, for uh, measuring ocean health um, that could be used as an optional tool um, for decision makers. So, uh, Amy, and, that's, that's, Amy, that's really great. I, I, I'm, I'm out of time, so I just need to take a short break, and then we'll come back and I want to talk. You'll tell us more about the work ahead that is, that has to be done uh, coming up. Yeah. So we'll take a short break.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Connecting local stewardship with global support, the Ocean River Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work. We believe that many environmental issues can best be addressed by people taking action in their own communities and regions. It's not the large national entities, but the small, localized, or newly formed groups that often need help to achieve their goals. That's where the Ocean River Institute comes in. We maintain a network of eco-stewards and ORI partners, connecting them with resources and services to help them maximize their impact, expand their capacity, and weather unexpected setbacks. ORI actions and events offer opportunities to make a difference, to go the distance, and you can volunteer to be an ORI eco-steward. To discover more, visit us online at www.oceanriver.org. That's www.oceanriver.org. The Ocean River Institute is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science. On a Cape Cod shore, 16 striped bass fish and a horseshoe crab were found dead, killed by a harmful algal bloom. The town blamed excessive lawn fertilizer for polluting the water. They restricted lawn fertilizing to once a year. The state overruled, mandating five times a year. Though the striped bass died on a Falmouth shore, fertilizer pollution is a national problem, clogging our waterways. If you believe in our rights to clean water and beaches, if you want to stop the killing of fish by excessive fertilizer, please join with us. Make a donation for responsible stewardship. Acting together, we can have clean beaches and more fish. Please visit www.donateforoceans.org. That is www.donate4oceans.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer. Hi, we're talking about Collaborative Atlantic Ocean Planning with Amy Bushman, and um, we're, we're talking about the uh, Northeast Regional Ocean Planning Group that's been working for three years on coming up with a plan, and then nested, and the, that group is composed of 11 federal agencies representatives, representatives from 11 state agencies of all six New England states, and 10 tribal groups. Uh, and then nested within that is this Northeast Ocean Action Network that Amy's our ombudsman, coordinator, broker, um, salesperson for, and communicator, big time. Um, and so if you want to be involved with what's going on, if you want to be part of uh, 
of the of this action that's happening and this ex- interesting communications and planning and how does the science work kind of stuff? How does the management work? How does you know how do these things all work? Um, there are are three ways you can do that, and and one the the obvious one is you can uh, join the uh, neon. Uh, Amy, how can people do that? Yeah, well, that's easy. Um, you can. Um, go on to New England Ocean Action Network.org um, for all of the contact information. Um, the easiest thing you could do is to just email me directly um, at a bushman, B U S H M A N, at clf.org. And all you have to do is just email me and say, hey, I'm interested in ocean planning. I'd like to join, and that's easy enough. And then I add you into our listserv, um, and that way you can uh, go ahead and get involved and start receiving uh, updates and opportunities to engage uh, directly from me immediately. Yes, that's a great way to get involved with the grassroots independent group. So NEON is independent of government. That's important. So we, um, yeah. And then another way is uh, is to go to the Ocean River Institute's uh, webpage at www.oceanriver.org and subscribe to the free e-alerts. And we'll, we put out emails when we have something to say and when there are opportunities to get involved in various aspects of saving the ocean, including this ocean planning in the Northeast. Uh, and then the third way... And we're also on Facebook. You can just friend us on Ocean River Institute on Facebook and skip the emails if that's your cup of tea. The third way is um, this fascinating Northeast Ocean Data Portal that has been compiling all this information. So they, they took all the whale watch information and mapped out where are the right whales. And they got this big map, they had a map up that shows on the uh, eastern side of Cape Cod Bay is all red because that's where the right whales hang out. And then two Aprils ago, I came through the canal, and there all the right whales are on the wrong side of the bay. So the right whales don't read the maps as much, but they're fascinating maps. of Every species that is important to um, the ocean waters of New England. Uh, and so that you can uh, go to www.northeastoceandata.com one word, northeastoceandata.org. And um, I believe there's a way you can subscribe to uh, postings when there are changes there, but it's a fabulous resource to explore and get to know more and stuff. Uh, So those are three ways, Uh, Northeast Ocean Data Portal, uh, Ocean River Institute, and the Northeast Ocean Action Network with Amy Bushman. so, Amy, what can we um, expect for uh, work and for things that are going to come from this, the regional ocean planning body in the incoming year? I mean, can we just, you know, pop the champagne and go home because it's been approved, or is there going to be – what kinds of things are going to come up, you think? <laughs> yeah, so it's a – you know, the one note to make is that, you know, this is certainly the – first um, of many editions of the Northeast Ocean Plan. And so um, it's been this incredible opportunity and a huge coup um, to the regional planning body to um, be able to 
um, nail down the first final edition. Um, but that being said, um, the plan's being implemented right now, um, and there are still goals yet to be achieved, and these goals are really exciting and stand um, to be um, real game changers when it comes to how New Englanders manage the ocean. And so um, this year in particular, um, the uh, important ecological area framework will be nailed down, finalized, um, and then maps generated. Um, and uploaded onto the Northeast Data Portal. Um, and these are going to be interactive maps um, that are of uh, the best available science. Um, and, you know, the pathway towards achieving that end goal will involve lots of opportunities um, to attend public uh, ecosystem-based management workgroup meetings. Um, and these are um, really, I mean, even if you don't want to, um, you know, provide input, you just want to be a fly on the wall, um, I really can't recommend attending them enough. It's uh, a really amazing opportunity to sit in one room um, with some of the best um, brains in New England when it comes to um, ocean ecosystems and science. Um, and to just watch them hash it out and try to figure out a framework um, is really exciting. Um, or you can come and ask questions and, and provide input um, towards uh, the finalization of that goal. Uh, so yeah, that's a big one, Rob. Um, absolutely. Let's spend a moment on that one. Um, it, 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 uh, it sounds misleading to say they're going to nail down the uh, ocean uh, ecosystem planning process or data portal. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to put up the, all the information that they've gathered so far, and they're vetting it with all of us to see what's left out, uh, what um, what can be added. And what's remarkable about the, the data portal is that they've been very careful to put up um, published and juried articles that are respected by science. And then if people want to comment on that, they can post comments too but it's easy for the reader to tell what's a, an observation versus what's a more vetted science paper. So um, we don't want to, you know, close down. We don't want to be a funnel and get down to the, the, the nitty-gritty of the essence of the information. We want to be the opposite of gathering all the observations because um, scientists, they, they get cut in a rut, you know, where they think they know what's going on. So, you know, Woods Hole scientists uh, said, uh, that the turtles don't go in the in Nantucket Sound, uh, and it turned out that the turtles are abundant or not abundant. The turtles are present in Nantucket Sound in the winter months. Happens to be when the scientists aren't in Woods Hole. So it's important that we stay open to the outside input. And so um, by joining Neon, by subscribing to um, Ocean River Institute, uh, you don't have to go to the meetings. Uh, Amy and I will keep you posted, and we'll forward your comments, right, Amy, back into the process. Yep, exactly. And um, I think, Rob, you, you bring up a great point. I think, you know, once these maps are generated, um, they will be uploaded onto the data portal, but um, stakeholder input um, and uh, opportunities to provide your thoughts on these maps um, are constant. Um, you know, and that's that's a permanent theme throughout this process is that stakeholders have an opportunity to weigh in um, to the usefulness of these maps, um, to the accuracy of these maps. And as you know, Rob, 
um, you know, uh, maps change really quickly, especially when it comes to uh, the Gulf of Maine and uh, many environmental factors. And so they're going to be updated uh, and analyzed constantly. Um, and so it's, it's a dynamic process and throughout the entire process. Um, and definitely, um, stakeholders are critical. Um, but absolutely, um, I certainly consider me and, and Rob to be um, your, your resource when it comes to um, keeping abreast of the process. Yeah, and I would welcome your observations, dear listener. You know, we, the oceans are huge, and the waters are vast, and we need, you know, ocean watchmen. We need eyes on the resource. We need, you know, guardians of uh, the changes that are coming about in, in the ocean, the, the movement of, of fish stocks, the, uh, of, uh, popula- of small po- subpopulations of fish, the, you know, the presence of animals in unexpected places. You know, we had strandings of risso dolphins, and um, you know, recently, and, and so there's all this thing. And they saved the risso. That was so cool. Was the risso dolphins came ashore in Truro, I think, on the bay side, and they managed to have these thousand-pound animals up to uh, onto vehicles and drive them over to a, a area where the wind was going the right way and the tide was right. I think it was flood tide and starting to ebb. So all 10 of the Risso dolphins were, were saved, and it's so important that um, we have eyes on the resource and that we have systems to notify the right people quickly. So, um, you know, OceanRiver.org, and you can email me, Rob, at OceanRiver.org. Uh, if you see anything of any interest, uh, we'd love to hear your stories. Um, Amy, we're just about out of time, and I really want to thank you for... Um, for all your leadership, and it's like herding cats, you know. And what's most important is that you run the big meetings where we're all talking on the phone or around pizza or something, but you also follow up with the bilateral one-on-one meeting. So if someone is feeling like they weren't heard, you're going to contact, you contact them and say, hey, you know, what was going on there or or whatever, because um, that's so important that the majority, not the tyranny of the minority like that. So thank yeah. you for your work. Oh, thank you. I, I really feel lucky to be able to do it. You know, it's taken me on some uh, pretty pretty interesting um, trips. I've had meetings on lobster boats, you know. I mean, yeah. you can complain about that. It's It's been really fun, and I feel very privileged and lucky um, to, to work with everyone in NEON, and including you, Rob. It's It's been a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm grateful for every minute of it. Well, we're out of time. Amy, thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. Uh, thank you, listener, for listening in to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues on the discussion on ocean planning management. Until next time, please take care of yourself, and then let's try to take care of the ocean. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again then.